Welcome back to Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Production. This is episode 24. I am your host, Chris Davis. You can follow me at Drop Mitts Hockey, and I am with my co-host, Tommy Bennett. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? I am good, man. It is just a nice Wednesday, just getting over being sick, which sucks, but it is what it is. That's just the nature of winter. And just enjoying this Bruins-Devils game here on TNT. Just wrapped up doing the pregame stuff with uh, Brett over at Primetime Productions. And now I'm here to to record a juicy episode. Lots of fun stuff is happening around the league. Slow period, dude. I mean, I, same here. I'm, was, I'm sitting here it watching. Was, it, was, it was a little event. Yeah, you know. But nice goal by Geeky. So we'll take it. But <laughs> nice, goal, nice goal by Geeky. Very bad rebound to give up if you're <laughs> Like Especially, that is just not, and and that's something we touched on the pregame. Your goaltending has just been bad, and that's just a prime example of why it's been bad. Yeah, you can't let the puck hit you in the glove when you're uh, literally one on one with uh, James Van Reems. Like you gotta come down with those. But anyways, we have a lot of news. Um, you know, yes. just last night, man, after the game, um, St. Louis decided to part ways with Craig Berube. Um, Honestly, I think this was kind of like an inevitable move. It just seems like this rebuild is coming a little bit faster than expected. Um, but what were your initial thoughts when you saw the uh, the news of his firing? He got fired for the manager's incompetence. That yeah. is why. That that's I'm sorry, that's just why. Like I as a Bruins fan, I'll always be bitter about 2019. That's just the way it is. <laughs> but that that was a long time ago. But you I don't think Baruby's like a bad coach. I think it's more of the way the roster is constructed. Like some of the moves they made are very head scratching. Like you look at the Justin Falk acquisition and then you paid him all that money. Well, that money could have went to Alex Petrangelo. Well, Alex Petrangelo has another Stanley cup and you're teeter tottering around 500 right now. Then you got like all these other like weird moves, like trading for Hayes. You brought in Vrana. You waived Vrana. It's just the. It's just weird. It's a weirdly constructed. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm glad you brought up the Petrangelo thing because I really feel like that is when this franchise kind of took a turn for the worst. I don't know if if you agree with that, but man, like this this franchise really has not been anywhere close to what it was in those 2019 2020 years. Dude, even before that, they were at least a perennial contender. David Backus, Vladimir Tarasenko, like the whole nine yards. Like they they were a very what's the right word consistent team. And now it's just a weird roster. I think it's good. You're led by Kyru and Thomas, and, and Buchnevich is a nice add there. But other than that, I mean, even the Tory Crew contract, like, that's another one. Like, I, I think he might even be on the trading block. It, it's just a weirdly constructed roster, and it just – I don't think Barubi is the guy who necessarily needed to go. But like you've seen with other teams this year, you've seen – the Oilers do it. You've seen the Minnesota Wild do it. You fire the coach and maybe bring in a new voice and you hope for the best. Yeah, well, you know, you wonder if it's going to provide like a little bit of spark to that team. Like you saw it with, obviously, it's a little bit of a different scenario in Edmonton, right? Where you mm-hmm. they, they relieve Woodcroft and all of a sudden McDavid is fucking on fire and he's back to his old ways. But 
Yeah, man, I agree. It's it's a weird construct. It's a weirdly constructed roster, and and it's one of those rosters where you have talented pieces, but it feels like there's just too much missing. You know what I mean? And again, even just being a big prospect guy, looking at all their what they have in the pipeline, it's like, you know, 2023 they were able to snag Dalibor Dvorsky, tenth overall. Um, Another guy, first round 2022, Jimmy Snuggerud from Minnesota, who he's fucking filthy. Um, so it's not like they don't have anything coming up, but it's just, I feel like this move was, you you said it best, dude. Like, this was the GM incompetence. Like, I don't, I, I knew this move was coming, unfortunately, because I really do like Craig Berube as a coach. I think he's a fantastic coach. Um, I think he's just ultimately the one that's going to fall on the sword for this. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, and hopefully, it's inter- it'll be interesting to see what direction this team goes in. Um, because, like, well, like you said, you're not. It's going to be really hard to move a contract like Tory Krug. Um, well, and he's got trade protection, and they tried to do that in the off season, and I don't blame him. Like, that's that's his right having that in the contract. Like, he doesn't want to move yeah and no he's not and i'm not and i'm not saying like i mean philadelphia could have been fun because look how they're playing but like what if he doesn't want to live there like you know there's there's bigger things than the, than just playing the game of hockey and between that pareco and even nick letty like those are not easy movable contracts see man the thing about colton pareco is like there was a point in time where i thought he was a top 10 defenseman I do too. He was very strong defensively, like a really big guy, has a nice hard shot. Yeah. Can and, produce a little bit, but you know, ever since like Jay Bomeister and Alex Petrangelo left, it just hasn't really been the same. And you know, those contracts aren't easy to move. Yeah, I mean, he's I, I per and like Buchnevich is actually a good contract and they actually didn't really have to give up a lot to get him. So it's just it, it is what it is, but they're a weird team. They'll like win a game, lose a game, win three, lose three inconsistent and you can't even say anything about Bennington. He's been pretty good this year. Well, that's, and that was my, actually my next question to you was, does this kind of expedite the, um, I guess, is, is it more likely that they move a, a Jordan Bennington? Right. Cause I feel like there's going to be a, a pretty big need for goaltending for some teams that are going to be able to make runs down the, down the stretch. Do do they like at this point, do they have to move Bennington? I don't think they have to. I mean, it depends what, what you want to do. Like, what are you – like, what are you going to – like, what's your plan? Are you retooling or did you just fire your coach and you are bringing in a new voice and you're hoping for the best? Or are you just tearing down what you can and getting value for what you can and, like, completely rebuilding? It, it, it totally depends what direction they really want to go. I don't think this is a <laughs> roster that can – they're not going to make the compete not like team. They're not a compete. They're I, like I, they'll compete because they can compete. They've shown they can this year. They're just inconsistent, and they're not going to be a playoff team. It, it just depends. I, I mean, I think if a team maybe wants Bennington, maybe they'll come after him. But uh, I don't know. I, it depends what the GM wants to do and what direction he wants to take the team. See, I'm a big fan of Robert Thomas. I really like him. I forgot he was on the team. Jake Neighbors is really good. Brandon Todd. That, con- that that contract sucks too. No one's taking that right now. Robert Thomas. Part- 
Yeah, no one's going to take that contract right now, and nobody's going to trade for him. No, I I, he's still Blues. a good player. He's worth that and money. Blue, and, the Blues, just... and the Blues aren't going to trade him. They, no. You know, the, the, if anything, those are the guys they're going to build around is Kyrou and – Yeah, they absolutely uh, should not Kyrou move Tom. Robert Thomas at this – like he's worth every penny of that contract for sure. Um, Kevin Hayes. I wonder what if he's still making that fucking egregious money. Philly retained most of it. They retained, I think, half of it. Even still, that's still a lot of fucking money for a third line. That's a lot of dough. Oh, Canada set the World Junior Hockey Championship roster, dude. That I just got. I just got the notification. Yeah, well, I think. Uh... Oh, wait, they're hopeful that – so based on this, it's like Canada named 12 forwards, seven defensemen, three goalies. The team is hopeful that Zach Benson or Matthew Patra will be loaned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just – you know, but that uh, – so they're trying to see if they can pull like a 13th forward just to – but the official roster is Owen Beck, Nate Danielson, Macklin Celebrini, Matthew Wood. Carson, uh, Ray Kopf, Owen Allard, uh, Jordan Dumai, Matthew Savoy, Easton Cowan, Connor Geeky, Brandon Ye- or Braden Yeager. Uh, defensemen, Tristan Luno, Jake Furlong, Noah Warren, Oliver Bonk, Tanner Molendyke, Maverick, Lamoreau. Lamoreau, yeah. Denton, Denton uh, Matichuk, goaltenders, uh, Ratzlaff, uh, Russo, and uh, St. Hilaire, whoever that is. I really hope that that they can get Patra in Benson. I I really hope they get the opportunity to play. I don't don't think the Bruins do that. Sucks, man. It sucks because it's a a a once-in-a-lifetime tournament for him, Um, and I think it'd be a really good break. Um, I, you know, sitting him up on the ninth floor, I'd – whatever if if he decides to do that again but i think loaning him for you know for this the entirety of this tournament would be really good for him i think both mentally and just a good break dude like again for him to be able to go back and play for his home country like and and play against his peers and you can assume he'd do fairly well um but yeah it's unfortunate and who knows what sabers do with benson because obviously they're out of it so i could it's probably a little bit more likely that they loan benson for that tourney um but yeah what are your thoughts on uh on those two Uh, i mean i think it just depends more on the team's like circumstances per se i mean i think just anytime you're a hockey player and you have the opportunity to play for your respective country. I feel like that's just a tremendous honor. And it doesn't matter if you're world juniors or you're just an NHL or in the Olympics, like, you know, players take a lot of pride in that, you know, take a lot of pride in being able to, to play for their, their home country. And I mean, if they can great, uh, but I think it's all on the team circumstances, like for the Bruins, I feel like they need Matthew Potra. So I don't know if they do that with Buffalo. I feel like they can get away with it. Loaning a Zach Benson because kind of the status of their team yeah i mean both have had really nice rookie years and just kind of just depends on the team's circumstances at this point yeah i don't i don't know i like i think about what they what the bruins have coming up and it might be a nice opportunity to give another kid a chance to kind of play while potra's away like you know what you have in potra right now i mean he's not going anywhere he can't go anywhere 
can't go down to the AHL, so he's stuck on that roster. Um, it might be a nice opportunity to, you know, allow another one of these prospects or kids to get an opportunity to play a little bit. Because um, let, let's be real here. I mean, Monty has had no problem sending him up to the ninth floor, right? And even even which isn't, which isn't I don't think it's a bad thing though. It's not. It's not. I mean, it's all part of development, dude. Like it's all part of it's growing pains. That's all it is. It's not a it's not a slack. It's not, you know, a punishment on Patra. It's it's all part of development. I mean, every single player goes through ups and downs, especially as a 19-year-old kid. Like I don't read into that at all. His the benching of the third period, like listen, Monty Monty sees something, right? And it's ultimately his choice at the end of the day. And I just think that our, is it going to make or break our season if Matthew Patra is playing in the World Juniors? I highly doubt it. I don't think so at all. Especially if... No, it's, it's, it's not. It just depends how long Zach is out for. Yeah, no. And, and I think once that, we... That's, and, that's, and that's really ultimately, like, the problem is, like, you know, Zach is out. I mean, they're, you know, they're doing fine right now, but... Yeah, yeah honestly, I would down the road. Yeah, I would like to see like John Farinacci get a get a look at some point. Obviously, you know the Merkulov situation. Like, I'd love to see him get a look. I don't know how you'd finagle the lines to make it work, but um, you'd sit you'd sit a Steen or you'd sit like a Lauko. I mean, that's really it. I mean, you're not touching your top three lines. You're just not. Well, like, I'm saying if if Patra if Patra gets sent gets loaned oh, to Canada. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could either put Merkulov on wherever he's slotted or you just slide Beecher up and you just that's it. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah, I, you'd find you just figure it out. I mean, just next man in and it, you know, keep keep Zach on the top, keep Coyle on his line, put Patra or put whoever where Patra is and let Beecher do his thing. I mean, it's really not you know, Yeah, hard. no. It, no, it's it, not confusing. It's but no, It'll be interesting. I mean, I hope either player gets the opportunity to, you know, represent their country. Yeah, it's and, and honestly, it's going to be such a loaded tournament with talent that it would be kind of a bummer not to be able to see our guy represented, right? Because he'd be he'd probably be one of the best players on that team, um, you know, which would be cool. But you know, it is what it is, and obviously they're going to make that decision. But um, I don't know if you had the chance to look at that U.S. roster, man. I, we kind of went over it last week. We went over it. I didn't get the uh, official. Yeah, dude. And th- I know, I, I know, they, I know. This week they're they... they're going through camp and everything, so they haven't released the final roster. Um, but man, they they were fucking loaded. And yeah, I yeah, it's, projected, it's the projected one we did was loaded. No, oh, I mean it was. I I thought it was a little bit more. Um, just well-rounded than Canada was, um, especially defensively. Yeah. Like we met, we mentioned like Lane Hudson, Seamus Casey. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be such a fun tournament to watch. I think it's like two weeks away now at this point. But um, I don't know if you had the chance to watch. Um, I know you had covered. You were on the drop the mitts page when it happened. Um, John Tavares' thousandth point. Um, yeah, I th- I published that once it happened. Man. I was watching that shit, man, and he was not getting many cheers in that place, man. Like, there is no... Dude, he got, he got booed, dude. They put him on the Jumbotron, and he got booed. That <laughs> shit was... 
dude, the Islanders fans still fucking hate that guy. I like, mean, and I'm like, I like, I look, I, you know what? I can't, I can't blame them. I really can't. Like, the way that went down, like, that was your franchise player, that was your captain. I get it. I'm not going to, like, go against how they feel because if that was, like, Patrice Bergeron doing that, I would probably lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Like, imagine if Bergeron was like, yeah, I'm a sign, then goes to fucking, like, fucking Dallas or something. <laughs> like, I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, well, But anyways, like, it was just so funny. They put him on the Jumbotron, and they booed, like, the shit out of him. And I'm like, man, these people still fucking hate this guy. Bro, you said but it. it was so it was so poetic that he hit a thousand on Long Island. You knew it was it gonna was happen so though, dude. It's like it's it like so, one of those Cinderella story. Like it's like it's so poetic, dude. Yeah, dude. So <laughs> I put out the poll like the like the same day. I was like, is he really gonna hit a thousand? I was like, he scored that goal, and I was like, damn, he really could like hit a thousand. And of course, he hit it on the game tying goal. Did you see the celebration? No, I didn't even get the opportunity. Dude, to see it, that. Was, it was hilarious. Dude, it was hilarious. He was looking like Matthews, like cut in, and he was like looking for Marner the whole fucking way. It was so <laughs> damn funny. Like he just did not give two shits that Matthews is there. But Toronto, of course, loses the game in overtime because they can't fucking win in regulation, even though they put fucking seven on the Rangers last night. Yeah. Well. One thing that I, I did get from that entire thing was I thought it was a really cool moment when they showed his dad. Um, that was cool. I always love seeing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Because it's like these guys go through this whole journey and everything and, and what their parents and like dads and moms mean to them. It's just it's always yeah. cool to see. It kind of brings a tear to your eye, right? Because it's like, yeah, it's just it's awesome to see. But I was in talking about the the booing, man, I was listening I actually it was a TikTok I think from Mike Bartner who obviously he's a big uh, Islanders guy and Biz was giving you know Islanders fans like a ton of shit being like you know saying like Dude, who the he... fuck do you guys think you are like and it's like are we are they yeah. not allowed to be fans anymore like I mean to a degree I'm just like okay like hitting a thousand points is hitting a thousand points in the NHL like that's remarkable Yes. Hate the guy all you want, but at least acknowledge like the fact that he did that. Like, they, like that doesn't happen a lot. Like, but dude, this hitting is a the... thousand points in the NHL is hitting a thousand points. But yeah, Biz just fucking. This is where I. Scott. This is where I disagree, though. I think any other player in any other situation where if that would have happened, besides John Tavares, he would have got a standing up. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. Listen, this is this is and and it's, Mike it's, Mike Bartner said it best. He strung them. He strung them along for an entire season, right? I know. And you mentioned it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm signing. Oh, New York. Oh, didn't. Then all of a sudden, the Islanders weren't able to get anything for him. Nothing. Where realistically, if they would have known that he was signing in Toronto, they would have fucking shipped him out. Yeah, in a heartbeat to at least get something, and he didn't allow that for the <laughs> Islanders. That's yeah. horrible. So, so here's the funniest thing I think about all that, and like it sucks for Islanders. Like, and I and again, I get why they're mad. 
I do. I I don't uh, like disagree with them. The funniest fucking thing was the Islanders have been more successful without him than with him. Yes, I was. That's the funniest part. That's the funniest thing. They was... saved the eleven million per year and literally went to two conference finals back to back. Yeah, they I didn't was... do shit with him. They didn't do shit with him. And what did he do? He went to Toronto and wasn't the savior that he needed. Yeah, he, he's the guy who got the goal to, to go to round two. They got smoked in round two and almost had no business winning that round one. Let's just be honest. It, yeah. I just think it's so funny. Like, they hate the guy because he spurned them, but they had better success without him. And Toronto really hasn't done shit with him. No, and it's actually, if you Honestly, think about it, I think they're actually going to be fucked over because they have that contract because they're losing a guy like Willie that Nylander. Was never, that was never going to age well. And Nylander no. took a lot less because it was all they could afford, and he had to be the guy that took whatever crumbs were left. Yeah, He doesn't have to be that guy this time. He's Nor should leave. he. Yeah, he shouldn't. But Go make like your fucking you bag. But you knew when Tavares signed that deal. Like, you knew it was going to age poorly. There was no, like, oh, wow, this is a good contract. Like, yeah, it's good if you do something with it in the first, like, four years, which you didn't. Well, this now is... You're, now you're just cap-strapped, and it just is what it is. But what... I feel bad for the Leafs because they're without jo- Joseph Wall. Dude, that and, and honestly, I thought that was going to be their only, like, saving grace, right? Like, hey, maybe, like – down the stretch, like Wall can steal them games, right? Like now, I, now there's, I don't think there's any chance, right? There's no fucking I way. Know. I mean, Samson Samsonov hasn't played bad, like as of late. As of late, but bad. it's a matter if he can keep consistency. That's been his issue. He's a very yeah, inconsistent to, goaltender. The, the way you were talking about v- Vitek Vanacek is Ilya Samsonov. He's inconsistent. His last start, his last start was like uh, Black Friday, and then he hasn't played till like December 9th, and he's basically just one zero and one. I mean, his numbers aren't great, but yeah, it's like you said, it's about consistency. Really big blow for Joseph Wall because man, he really could have been like a Calder like finalist, like the way he was playing. Like he was absolutely like I root like I root for him, man. Like he like he was a good goalie, and. Like, as much as I, like, I mean, shitting on the Leafs is just fun. But, like, <laughs> dude, like, I root for that kid, man. Like, I really do. Like, yeah. I mean, and it just sucks to see him go down. It was such a harmless play. Like, he was just getting over and his, his skate hit the post and he just ended up with the ankle. And I was like, damn, that sucks. Like, he's actually really fun to watch. Yeah. Like, dude. he's been a really good goalie for them. And. You know, you know, as much as like the jokes kind of write themselves about the Leafs, it was like they finally maybe have something in net, which is something they haven't really been able to say. Yeah, which a crazy like visual I saw, and I just pulled it up. Highest rookie save percentage, right? So it's the last ten seasons with a minimum of thirty nine percent of games played, which is equal to thirty two games in eighty in an eighty two game season. Okay. Nope. So he's sitting right tied for seventh all time, or, or you know, in the last ten seasons, we're looking. Number one is in two thousand twenty-one. Nedeljkovic had a nine thirty-two. I remember that, which was an un unreal. That run. was just 
parted. So, well, it's also good too when you're playing behind that fucking structure. Yes. <laughs> no, number two, St. Louis Blues, 2019. Jordan Bennington. Uh, Jordan Bennington had a 9.27. Yeah. yeah. Tied for third in 2017. Matt Murray had a 9.23, and Elvis Merzlikens had a 9.23. Fifth was 2016. John Gibson had a 9.20. Sixth was 20, 2021, Ilya Sorokin, 918. And then obviously Joseph Wall this year, 916, is was tied with um Shesterkin in 2021 with a 916. Dang, that's some pretty nice company. Which is because if you look at if you look at all those goalies, like like and you like really break down those seasons, like they all have very, very good seasons for very good reasons. Oh, so dude. for him to be in that, for him to be in that class, like good for him. Like, I, you know, I hope he comes back. I hope he plays really well. And I, you know, hope he, hope he ends up being the answer for them in that. Cause they need a goalie. Yeah. And, and honestly, like the way, even where he was picked too, like that would be a steal for them. Like if he ended up being a legitimate starting goaltender, um, cause yeah. I think let's... He can. Say that again, bud. I really, I really think he can. I mean, he was really good last playoffs. Like he actually outperformed Samsonov, and he and he really got thrown in there. It wasn't like it was a, you know, just play a game. Like he really was thrown in there, and he he played well. Like I mean, you just you want to root for the kid. You really do. Like yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I don't hate the Leafs as like a hockey team. I hate the way the media portrays them. You know, I've actually tried explaining this to people, and people are like, you're a Bruins fan, you hate the Leafs. No, dude, I hate the way that the media portrays the Leafs. That's why I, I just wish them to be just miserable, honestly. Because, I mean, the, the, the media acts like they've done something, they haven't done shit. Like, let's just yeah. pump the brakes. Like, yeah. You, know, well, you, you, you are only getting pumped up because your name is the Toronto Maple Leafs. You, that core group hasn't even achieved anything remotely close to, to greatness. So, but you want to root for a guy like Joseph Wall. You do. Yeah, you and never want to see a kid like up. that. Well, not even that. It's just like you like he's just he's good. And you want to see him thrive. And yeah. I hope he can. Yeah, I mean, obviously I think they have a lot of work to do as far as trying to reassemble this roster and they I don't know. Heavily, they are heavily involved in defense right now. Like yeah. if there if it if there's a person out there, they are I mean, I've seen Ethan Bear. I've seen Rasmus Ristolainen. I've seen which it makes no sense. It's God. the only reason why that makes sense is uh, Trey Living. He came out and was just like, "Yeah, trading for rentals is fine, but like if you're trying to plan for the future, maybe go with somebody like with term." Is basically what I got out of that. Well, he has like four years left, but he's abysmal defensively. That doesn't really serve your purpose. Yeah, I I've that, seen, that I've would seen make Lee no Bushkin, sense. I've seen Leah Bushkin from Anaheim that came out today. Just if it's a defenseman, they're pretty much going in on it to some capacity. Yeah. Well, dude, it makes you wonder if a fit, because obviously, you know, we've seen the, a lot of names, especially in Calgary with, you know, Hannafin and Tanev. I mean, obviously it would be a really complex deal to make, to make that work and to make the money work. But I mean, I think Hannafin would be a perfect fit exactly what you need i mean at least he, he, he's young he'd have to sign obviously i mean he's coming up on the last I year don't think, i don't think he would i don't, I don't think, think I, toronto i don't think toronto has the money if they're gonna put all their eggs in the basket it's gonna be nylander 
and they'll figure the rest out later. But again, I, I, I don't think it'll be there. I'm very curious. Uh, I'm very curious where Hannafin goes and kind of like what that situation looks like. Yeah. I mean, obviously us being Bruins fans, I mean, the connect there's, there's a lot of connections there. I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, been linked to us seems like his entire career even on draft day right where the reports were yeah so i mean i think it's it's one of those even like taylor hall man like i feel like the the the, all the info was there where you where you knew he wanted to be in boston and it just didn't work out it never worked out and then that point in time came where there was an opportunity where he could sign in boston or you know be he in Boston. He forced. He forced his hand. Exactly. He basically, there's no move clause. He's like, I want to go there, and we got him for a bag of pucks and a Zamboni driver. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it. I mean, that's what it came down to. I, I think the only way a Hannafin deal works for the Boston Bruins is if there's an extension in place. Yes. The, the time is. I've missed more time than I. Go to the ball the Bruins to not trade assets. Hey, I think your your thing's cutting out, dude. Am I cutting out? Yeah, you cut out for like ten seconds. No worries. So for me, like the Bruins don't need to trade assets for rentals because you don't you don't really have the need or the assets to do that. If you're the Bruins, you need to trade for him knowing that there's an extension in place. You're not trading for him to, yeah, for this year. You're just, and you're not in the, like, yeah, you're going to be competitive. You're probably going to make the playoffs, but you're not trading for a rental. It's not that type of year. So if you're going to put all your eggs in for Hannafin, you better have an extension in place. Yeah, no, I, I completely that's agree. Just, that's and I'm all for and I'm all for it, right? Like if you're gonna make that move, I completely agree with you. You have to have an extension in place. He's not a fucking rental. Nor do nor do I think he'd be a rental on any team because I think he would. I think he would. Because if he's not inclined to wanting to sign there, like he can just if a team's desperate enough and wants to add to their top four for a playoff run, then yeah, go get him. I'm curious what he has for no like his the no movement stuff. Because I, I feel like I don't think he I don't think he has one. I'd be curious because obviously that would be a big piece of things because well if that's the case he would just dictate where he wants to go. Yeah. Let's see here. Noah Hannafin has let me see. Like dude, I you know, I got the opportunity to watch him this summer at the um the fair. Oh, he has a modified no trade clause. Oh, DeBrusque almost just put one home. Yeah, Dude, he's, my, he's so fucking due for one. Dude, he's so due for a goal. Dude, this is such a low event game. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, fucking boring. Like, like the total opposite of what... Well, actually, actually, it's kind of going almost the way I actually laid out in the pregame. Like... Like each team was gonna like struggle to find their legs. They both had three days off. Dude, Geeky, it's gonna it's it's gonna be a low scoring game. Geeky's playing out of his mind. 
It's only one nothing. I think you know what? Now that we're just on the topic, I think this is actually going to be the biggest prolonging issue for the Bruins. Like, it's fine in an eighty-two game season, but I think in a seven-game playoff series, if like depth doesn't really like score consistently, this team is fucking toast. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's in a seven-game like, series. I, just... I mean. Like, in a seven-game series, like, I think, like, if depth doesn't, like, consistently start scoring, it's just going to be. Yeah, they're in trouble. I mean, yeah, you're in trouble. I mean, it works for an 82-game season, but this is a very low event. This is a a very low event game for the Devils, to be honest. Yeah, they they flashed to uh, Jack Hughes. He looked extremely frustrated. Well, I think the Devils also, too. Like, my Devils chat's popping off, and they're just like, the Devils are trying to force everything to the middle, but the Bruins are, like, clogging in the middle. And I'm like, yeah, I pretty much outlined that. <laughs> like, yeah. in one of my articles, I was like, they, they're, the Bruins are good at fucking high-danger defense. They they just are. Yeah, and, I think – so we – I think we discussed maybe last week or maybe it was the week before that um, – Someone who I've been really impressed with as of late is Simone Nemich. Yeah, he's been really good for the Yeah, Devils. he's been almost Very a point good. per game. Yep. Um, and he, like, I've been really impressed. He just seems a lot more confident in his game. Um, he's not yeah. as much of a liability, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of come into his own. Like, defensively, he has a little bit of hiccups, but... Overall, he's been really strong with the puck, and he's made plays offensively. And just his awareness on the ice is absolutely huge. And that's one thing that's been really nice for them is the absence of Dougie Hamilton has turned into the emergence of Luke Hughes and Simone Nemich. Like, the future of the Devil's Blue Line is now the present, and it's just – it's actually really fun to watch. They just need fucking goaltending. Yeah, which – who knows what what's going to be available? I mean, I mean, earlier we mentioned Jordan Bennington, but I don't really see that as a fit. They're they're apparently uh, rumors came today from Pagnata. They're talking. They're ta- they're linked to Gibson. That would be a huge addition. But but I was saying like Gibson's numbers are, have improved. It's just a matter of making it work. Vtech would have to go the other way to make money work. Make money work, but as far as like prospects and young players, like you got to imagine Holtz is going the other way. I would be, I, I mean, I drive him to Newark Airport myself. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I mean, the kid, I mean, he's, you know what, and he's not bad, and, he, and his best production has actually come with Michael McLeod, which is really bizarre, but yeah. it, it just works. And it's like the way McLeod plays, it, it works for Holtz, but yeah, and dude. Just, and- I mean, they just need a goalie. I mean, you just—I don't care how talented this team is. Like, you're just—you're not going to win anything meaningful with what you have going on in net, dude. And and just just watching, like, obviously, I don't get to watch the Devils a whole lot, and I know you're a big Devils guy, but man, just watching them, like Simone Nemec—he's not trying to do too much with the puck. No, that I've it's noticed just, this game. Fluid. He want you know headman the puck, move it. Skate up. That's it. And he, he's just looked a lot more confident. Um, But, yeah, I mean, goal goaltending is going to be their fucking – they get John Gibson, dude. They, I think they're right back top of the Metro, I, in my and opinion. I, yeah, because the margin for error is, like, very minimal right now. Like, everything's close. Like, even Carolina, like, they're a good team. Their goaltending sucks worse than the Devils does. Like, yeah. I don't care that 
Kochekov had a phenomenal game last night. Nice diving Pocheck on the. Oh, we can talk about that shit, yeah, dude. And just like that's great that he had like two point three five goal saved above expected and played above his ass, but like he's not fucking back. I saw that on Twitter today. Hurricanes fans were like, "He's fucking back." No, the fuck he's not. No, the fuck he's not. What the fuck has he done consistently this year? Not a damn thing. Nobody has a net for Carolina. They got a worse save percentage than the Devils do. That's <laughs> pathetic. If he can win five games playing like that, then he's fucking back. He's not back after one fucking game. Is Carolina at 32? Are they 32nd in the league? For team save percentage? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are. Last time time I checked, they are. The Devils are 31st. The Devils are are 31st. And that's why I'm saying, dude, like, adding a guy like John Gibson would completely turn the tides for me. Like, completely. Because if they I mean, can, it would definitely like. I mean, I think Gibson would thrive behind a Devils defense. Like the Devils are good team defensively. They just don't have a goalie, and they play a little too open. Yeah, Carolina's thirty second, eight seventy one save percentage. Yuck! But yeah, and, they, and they allow the fewest shots on net per game. Yeah, and you got to remember they, with with they they average they average the fewest shots against. And have the most shots for per game on an average basis, but have the worst team save percentage. Give me a fucking break. The goaltending's not fucking back. Shut up. It's not fucking back. It's back if you do it consistently. Yeah. One fucking game doesn't change that. Granted, the kid played well. I will give Kachekov that. He played really well, and that shit with Kachuk was hilarious. What did you think of that play? I, th- I didn't like, really did you think... think it was. A, did you think it was like a? Like a harmless poke check, or do you think he tripped him? I mean, again, dude, like, I think he tried to trip him for sure, but he was well within the rules of what he did. I mean, you can't sit there and tell me that he didn't want to fucking trip Brady Kachuk. <laughs> you, I, dude, I, I, like, I, again, I, I mean, it, it was a simple poke check, though. But again, I mean, he was he's yeah. well within the rules of how yeah. he approached Kachuk. And you know what? One thing led just, to another. He, Did he, he just, trip him? Yeah. But he's well within fucking missed the puck. <laughs> <laughs> but he's well within the rules. And it's like oh, man, and like just just watching that, it's like Kachuk, it's like, what are you gonna drop him with Kachekov? Like at that I mean, point, man. I mean, he, I mean, Kachekov is not afraid to mix it up with players. We saw that with Brad Marchand in the playoffs, like two yeah. Like he's not afraid to like you know, get down to the, he, he's not, he's not afraid of the smoke. Let's just put it. He's like Jordan Bennington, dude. All right. Let, I don't know about that. That's no, like I'm talking <laughs> like Jordan Bennington, like wants the smoke, but doesn't want to actually like fucking fight anybody. Dude, that reminds and, me and of the league. And, and the league robbed us of him and flurry fighting. Cause flurry actually was like good with it. I was so pissed when they did that. I was yeah, like, well, dude, Fleur- we finally got it. Somebody finally wants to ring his bell and you're not gonna let it happen. That you're that's a fucking shame. Dude, like the mic'd up version of Flurry going down the ice, and then he's like so great. It's great. <laughs> it was it's so funny. It is good comedy. It it should have happened, but I like wish. I going back to the John Gibson talk, dude, like he's thirty years old on a three point three million dollar oh wait, hold on. Is he that what he's six, making? He, no, he makes six point four. 
and he's got like four years left. He's got term. He's not a rental. That's like a. Why are they showing? Fix. Oh, salary. Wrong site. Never mind. He's got a cap hit of like six point four. That's not horrible. It's not horrible for a one uh, a starting goalie, but I mean, dude, he's from that area, which, I mean, Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh. It's not crazy far, but around that area. Um, yeah, I don't know. It would make sense. I mean, I think it'd be kind of a cool signing. Like it would instantly. I said it before. Like I had them at the beginning of the year at atop the Metro, like finishing first. Um, yeah, I just I thought that. I picked Carolina, but I didn't. I didn't have New Jersey far behind. I had him in second. Yeah, and I just think like the emergence of Hughes and just like what he's done for that team. Like I, there really wasn't a doubt for me that they were going to finish first. Obviously, things changed. Um, but I think them bringing in Gibson, dude, would completely turn, not turn things. Yeah, I guess turn things around. Like it would because they don't like in the chat. Like it was like. Devils aren't that good. They're fourteen eleven. I'm like, this is how much I know you don't fucking pay attention. Like, yeah, they like they're not a bad team. They just don't have a goalie. Like that's their problem, and it's not sustainable to do what they're doing. Like the Bruins are just playing a very good defensive game right now, and they're just smothering the Devils. But they're not generating a shit ton on VTech either. Shots are tied at fifteen apiece. I mean, it's just. But for the Devils, like if they if they end up dropping six they gotta score seven to win yeah well like, that's exactly that's not, it that's not sustainable yeah they, well and the a thing, lot of goal and a lot of goals that go in are very like savable goals yeah the thing is you know? the, like you mentioned the bruins it's like but swayman and Olmar can steal them games like but even yeah i mean and, and that's like and that's what you want you want good goaltending but even then it's like can't rely on your goaltending to bail you out you gotta have middle ground you gotta have no yeah. ground both. Like the Devils, you can't outscore your problems. For the Bruins, you can't just you know they're human too. You can't rely on them every night to just bail you out, save after save. It's kind of funny how it's polar opposite between the two. But you know, Bruins fans, be blessed that you got two number ones. When the Devils, they're struggling with one, trying to figure out who that is. But yeah, John Gibson would be a huge move. I'm just curious what that uh, comes out to be. I imagine a prospect VTech and maybe a a pick. Second yeah, it, maybe it won't be a first. He's not like lighting the league on fire. It'd be like no. a second, maybe a third, depending on the profile of the prospect. Because, because then in my mind, it's like if you think about it from the perspective of Anaheim, it's like how top, not top heavy, but it just seems like they have a ton of like young forwards that like just haven't really come into their own yet. Yeah, and it's still, like they're still rebuilding. I mean, yeah, still, they got they have a ways to go. So in in with that being said, would you be more inclined to want like a Simone Nemich? Uh, not for Gibson. Gibson's not worth a Nemich. Go get like a Seamus Casey. Go get somebody who hasn't even scratched the surface, or like an Alexander Holtz who's still trying to find his way. Not a Nemich. I think he's going to be good, though. I still think he's going to be very good, Nemich. Yeah, but I'm not trading him for Gibson. You, well, got what if, fr- you got you got you got two franchise defensemen. Why would you trade them? Because you need if goaltending. Tra- you yeah, need goaltending. Not, not for Gibson. Go got to give to get. You 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 see Soros maybe. Not John Gibson. Not a thirty year old. No way. Well, we talked that's about UC. That's a that's a pillar of your back end. 
Well, we talked about Soros last week. Yeah, I mean, I I would like Nemich for Soros, sure. Straight up? Not straight up. It would probably be more than that. Look what they got for Tanner Janot. Imagine a goalie who led the league in goals saved above expected last year and was a large reason he almost made the playoffs. Yeah, I think, I, I think it would. I think it'll take a prospect, a, a VTech, and, and a pick, probably a second round pick VTech, and I would say throwing a Holtz or a same as Casey. Yeah, I'd probably want a first. I would be all right with Casey in a first. I don't even think. I don't even think a first. I mean, maybe, but definitely a second. Maybe a. I can't see like a third, but he's thirty. Still has good hockey left, but. Yeah, I'm I mean, not giving, like, t- I'm not giving top prospects for him. Look at Quick him. right now. I mean, Quick's playing good hockey, too. God, dude, such a I, – I love it for, for Quick. Like, I do, too, man. Like, he, he, didn't get, he didn't get the proper send-off he deserved in L.A. Like, I like I, like I think, like, for that – like, to me, he, he goes down as, like, an all-time, like, Kings great. Like, yeah. I could see – like, I could see him, Dowdy, and Kopitar having their numbers retired. Yeah, well, like, but but for him to just like look like vintage quick it, with his childhood team, that's awesome. I love it. Like, yeah, well, I, I got to ask this then. So obviously it's kind of like a Nashville obviously has that statue of, of Pecorino. They have to they have to do one a quick, right? I, they did want a Dustin Brown. They have to do one a Jonathan Quick. I feel like you have to like arguably like behind like Tim Thomas like I think like his playoff run was arguably like the most enjoyable thing to watch. Yeah, like he was he was a like a fucking psychopath out there. It like the way he played was just so much fun to watch, dude. When like, he, he was, was so good, they used to have st- like story. So he played at Avon, which is in Connecticut, and I believe. But they, they, this, this dude used to cut slits in between his toes and put fucking dip in it to have it go straight to his bloodstream during games, dude, during what a, games. What a, what a, what a fucking badass. What a psychopath. <laughs> That's so fucking sick. Dude. Like, and, and then, you know what, even besides that, you mentioned it, the fact that he didn't get like a proper send off, like what the fuck get a is that about, send-off. dude? Like it just. It, even like I'm not a Kings fan, but I lo- like I like watching them. They're a very yeah. fun team to watch. Like the way they play, very structured, very you know, just very good team. It's just a team thing over there. Like they don't rely on one person. Do you think you know, it's because of how bad they were at that point? I mean, I mean, I mean they, they were, were yeah, but they weren't like horrible. They made the playoffs. I like, thought that was the five field year. No, they made the playoffs last year. But like they traded him to Columbus, and then, yeah. then they then he got moved to Vegas, and he, he which was some him. which was some bullshit, man. Because he's the type of player that like you would at least try to like work with, right? Like, yeah, I mean, and Columbus was like, well, we're not going to keep you here, like, we'll yeah, like and, which which like I guess it worked, like they got Gavrikov, but like. I don't know. I just wish he got the proper send off. Like it is what it is now, you know. But and he's enjoying life on Broadway, dude. Yeah, he's living his fucking childhood dream, which is like the perfect ending to. Because you got to think, man, this is probably his last, his last go. I mean, I, think, I can't I think see he's him. Got. I think he's got like at least 
this year, maybe another one. I mean, he's a backup at this point, but if you yeah. can be like what he is, like, why not, man? I think he'll just end up staying in New York. Yeah, he I just could, wants to retire. I mean, why not? You know, I could know. see it. So, so you bring up, you know, the fact that he Columbus moved on from him, and another piece that I want to discuss about Columbus, dude, is this Eric Goodbranson I debacle. I'm sorry. That man. shit, dude. I was like, he popped up, and and you know, Nick Cousins was kind of a little shit for that man. Like, fuck him. It, like, I'm yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, like, I, I just think the inconsistency, like, of these hits, like, from behind, and I think there's some scenarios where players need to learn to brace themselves, right? Like, to prepare for a hit. And then there's some like this where it's like you see numbers and you're just fucking driving through players, right? Yeah. Well, like, and, and that's like what you were going to. So, like, you're talking inconsistencies. Okay, well, there were three incidents in the same kind of scenario that were all called different. You had that Robinson kid on Buffalo, and he even let up. He didn't even, like, go full force. Yeah. But he got the penalty. Okay, Oposo, like, he had good comments at the end. He's like, all right, you get the penalty, you own it, but, like, it's inconsistent. And he was referring to Evander Kane, who just gave no shits whatsoever and absolutely unloaded on Jonas Brodian. He didn't get a penalty for that. Cousins, like, lunged himself, numbers all the way. They gave him a five-minute and reduced it. Dude, if I'm good, Branson... Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, police, but then he police gets... It your, police it yourself. And then you he gets what? suspended. Okay, for a game. You know what? I'll take that suspension all fucking day. Give me <laughs> one game suspensions. Because seriously, though, like, if you're not going to protect the players on the ice and be consistent, they're going to police it themselves. And yeah. that's what he did. And Cousins got nothing for that hit, which was worse than the Robinson one by far. Yeah, I agree, dude. Like, Cousins, like, he didn't get a penalty. He didn't get a 10. He didn't get a suspension. He didn't get a fine. Nothing. He didn't get anything. Good Branson, I'll take that suspension all day. Good for him. I hope he kicks the shit out of him next game. I really do. Dude, he fucking stuplexed him. Dude, and Cousins, you little weasel. Why would you turtle? Own it. Just own what you just own the hit. Like it was a bad hit, and yeah. he laid there and he he was hurt. I mean, he even like came out with a quote. Branson was like, "It felt like I got in a car accident." Okay, like, and the ref didn't he didn't call a penalty, didn't do nothing. So he got up and was ready to kick the shit out of him. I don't blame him one bit for doing that, policing the game himself. I'm not saying what he did was maybe the smartest thing. Like, he basically just jumped the guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. But Cousins, he, but Cousins fucking deserved it. Dude, he... That shit was so... Like, he again, just it. gave I'm zero fucks. I'm circling the calendar. Yeah, dude. I'm like, circling the calendar. Which, who would have thought you'd be circling the calendar for a fucking Florida Panthers-Columbus Blue Jackets game? Dude, give that... Give that... Dude, and Cousins, like... I'll never forget, after that whole incident, he sat there, got up, and started chirping at Good Branson. Dude, just own what you did. Yeah. Like, you threw a dirty hit. You, like, 
you little dirt bag. You threw a hit, <laughs> a bad hit, a really bad hit, a dangerous hit. Do you, do, do you, it, dude. Do you think that Brodeen hit was bad? It wasn't good. It's it's it was, hard, dude. I feel like I feel like you're okay. Like, and I, I was listening to Chicklets today, and they brought up like the Hathaway hit. The Hathaway hit was very different on Luke Hughes. That was a clean shoulder to shoulder hit. You're talking like guys that are seeing numbers all the way. Yeah, and it just you don't make those hits. And you let up. They're dangerous hits to make. It's the first thing you learn when you play. If you see numbers, just don't just don't even entertain it. It's different when you're going into the wall. Like, say you're just, you know, you're going behind the net to get the puck. And, like, you know, you just hit somebody, like, in the numbers. And you're just finishing your check. That's one thing. But, like, what Cousins did was, like, bad. He hit him from like below the goal line and like launched him into the into the fucking boards. Dude, I'm trying Dude, to find this hit, bro. It's just not a good hit to make. And he deserved every bit of that ass beating. Like who I'm went it? Do you remember who went after him? Good Branson. Oh, Good Branson. I'm talking to Vander Kane. Uh don't know. Don't think anybody did really. Yeah, because there was no penalty on the play, I don't think. No, he did. That was the problem, is the inconsistency. Like, Robinson got a penalty. Kane got nothing, and his was probably worse than uh, worse than Robinson's. And then Good Branson, the, the Cousins hit, went ahead, and nothing. Nothing. It got reduced. Went from a five to nothing. It was just bad. It was really, really bad. Like, yeah. I don't know how you can consciously make that and reduce that after reviewing it. Like you, you sat there and reviewed it, and then reduced it. That hit was bad. I don't blame Gabranson one bit. I mean, they hear it. There's a microphone. They reduced it, and he took matters into his own hands. See, and that's look, just inconsistency in officiating. Looking at the Brodeen hit, dude. So he, like, obviously he's a left hand shot. He's going. He's going to pick up the puck, and he's acting like he's about to, to, you know, shoot the puck the opposite way. So he kind of shows a little bit that he's not like it wasn't complete numbers, yeah. right? At being a left-handed shot on the side of the net, he he acted like he was going to go shoot the puck around to his winger, and I I think that's where Evander Kane kind of saw like at least saw his face, and then as he turned, yeah. there's numbers. So like something like that, it's like that's probably it's, that's why a, there were... that's a different scenario, I guess you can say. But the cousins one comparing it to like Robinson, it's like light yeah. years apart, and they got it, it's just. But you're seeing players take matters into their own hands, and and you know what? Until I mean, they have to suspend him because you have to set an example. Because if not, you're just going to see guys like taking each other's heads off, and oh yeah. And it just is what it is, but I mean, dude, you could tell as soon as Good Branson got up after he was laying on the ice when he fuck he fucking he saw red, dude. Holy shit! Pissed. I mean, he and then there was and then he, you know, I don't know if it was Cousins that was on the ground, dude. There was someone that was hurt Cousins. in the scrum, he and it was he wasn't hurt. He was turned. No, I I don't think it was Cousins. I think I think it was a different Florida player that was on the ice. The the original hit, not the not yeah. when 
Not when Gabranski. Cousins cousins ended up on the damn ground. (laughs) What, he fucking turtle? And he turtled. He turtled (laughs) twice. He turtled after the hit, and Gabranson went after him, and he turtled. And then when he got jumped, he turtled again, got up, and proceeded to try and chirp Gabranson. How the hell are you going to chirp, dude? Own your hit. Own your hit. Like dude, you, you he, better keep your you better keep your head up next game, buddy, because it's it's coming. Dude, the, the fucking when he the second time when Gabranson suplexed him, dude, he got like four hits in dude, while yeah, while that, he was on the ice, got, and that's why he got suspended. Yeah, because like, you basically you basically just absolutely wailed on a defenseless player. <laughs> and like it's it's it is the it is in the rule book. It's like rule forty six point two or something like that. But it's like, yeah. But you said it best, that, dude. It's like these these players, but it's these players are going to take in their own first. hands, and you can't blame him. No, not at all. I don't. I don't blame him. I mean, I, I would have did the same thing. Like, okay, you want to call a penalty on this hit? Sure, I'll, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. He had it coming. You play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah, dude, and kind of staying on, you know, or going to the injury front, rather. Um, there were a couple of big injuries this past week. Um, Kyle Connor's going to be missed significant time for Winnipeg. Man, he's been on a tear. That was a vicious knee-on-knee hit. I hate those hits, dude. Someone's got to give with those. Almost worse than the hit-from-behind hits. And, well, and you can really you can really end somebody's, like, career. 100%, dude. 100%. Like that's, and, and that's, like, the that's like the biggest the biggest thing. And, and that was a very vicious, like, knee-on-knee hit. So him being out six to eight weeks is tough, especially he's, like, one of their best goal scorers. Dude, he there was no doubt in my mind. I – he was he's gonna hit he was gonna hit fifty. There was oh, no yeah. doubt in my mind that he would have hit fifty. Easily. And that again, dude, that those they gotta find a way. It's just again, the game happens so fast. But you gotta handle people or find them or something. Like you can't yeah. there's gotta be like a knee on knee penalty of, of some sort because you you someone's gonna get really hurt and that's when they're gonna make a change. Yeah, and and not only you risk hurting another player, you can fucking hurt yourself doing that. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's like these they're fucking gruesome. And it's like every time they slow it down and show you the hit, it looks horrible. Like yeah. it looks oh, yeah. on purpose yeah. every time. And yeah. yeah, it's just unfortunate. And then also another big one was Dylan Larkin for the. Uh, that was scary. It was, dude. I and I didn't know he had a history of that kind of like. Uh, I want. Got, I want to get the he exact. Got, he, got, he got hit by Joseph in the head last year. Same guy. Yeah. Dude, and, and, that, that that play was just scary. Like, I mean, again, the game happens so fast, and you just you know front net battle. I mean, he just like limped down like a rag doll, dude. That was scary, and he didn't move. So it just no like, he guys just like laying there and yeah I'm not saying like I'm not saying I would have necessarily went the route Perron went his six game suspension is you know worthy of sitting from a human perspective I get it <laughs> like well 
that's your captain, and he's yeah. just laying there motionless. It's tough to dude, see, dude. If, and it's tough to see, and and he went after the wrong guy. It wasn't even the right guy. <laughs> Poor Zub just took took a stick to the dome, and dude, he had nothing to do with that hit. And and it's just like Peron turned around, saw his captain down, saw that guy standing over him, and just fucking went after it. And you know what? I, I, I think anybody on any other team would have done some – like, maybe not that, but they definitely would have jumped somebody. Because, like, we were talking about on the on the uh, pregame, like, dude, imagine, like, Patrice Bergeron. Oh, like, my God. Dude, the whole bench would have just got off and just jumped at the whole team. And and it's I feel like that's just, like, an appropriate reaction. Yeah. But Peron crossed a line. And you just don't do what he did. That's just a dirty play. And you just you want to beat the crap out of someone for it. Be my guest. But that was just not a good play to me. Yeah, it it was a scary. I mean that. And I and again. I hope Dylan Larkin's okay. He's out indefinitely. There's no timeline for his return. I hope he's okay. Yeah. I, I mean, he was having a really good year. Uh, he he has like really awesome line mates. Detroit's playing really good hockey. Yeah. But you, I mean, you just don't want to see that guy, you know, you don't want to see anybody laying down like that and just super, super unfortunate. And you know, hope he has a really good recovery. And Yeah. He, you know, and, and they were there, you mentioned it, they're playing good hockey. Showtime's back. Like he, he finally got his first, you know, the Sally was absolutely electric. It just, they were, they're fun to watch. And, and I was at, the Bruins Black Friday game and they're a fucking good team. Mo Sider's yeah. playing well. Like, and this isn't, you know, talking about the rest of the team isn't to take away from the injury, but they're playing good hockey and it's it's unfortunate, especially their captain. Yeah. And uh yeah. Yeah, again, yeah. Hopefully he just, you know, he recovers well and, you know, he's back soon. I mean, it sucks. But uh another moving on, I mean did you get a chance to watch any of that uh, Chicago Edmonton game last night? I did. Uh, it was <laughs> the, the Battle of Connors, man. I mean that that release Bedard has. Oh my just, god! I mean, it's just kid, kid was just he. I mean, he's just ready for the NHL, and then McDavid. McDavid's on a tear right now, and you know, just he's he's a lock for the Calder, right? Is there is there anyone that's this, gonna come this, close to him? Point, at this at this point, I feel like he's starting to like really run away with it. I think you could have made a case that there's people that are, you know, teetering behind him closely, but now I think he just is like I think he's running away with it. I mean, I would give it to Bedard. I maybe for top three, I would throw Luke Hughes at second. Not even being biased, I think he's just been really, really good. Mm-hmm. And third, I mean, I'd say maybe Adam Fantilli, and I'd call him fucking day. Uh, but I think at this point, Bedard is like at a different tier, and then everybody else is just like I think the gap is widened. Where at one point it was like, damn, there's a lot of good rookies, and there still are a lot of good rookies. This is a great rookie class, but I think Bedard is just running away with it at this point. Yeah, I think I think what goes. What was so underrated about that play in that release is who he did that around in Matias Ekholm, who's so sound defensively, and yeah. he made it look so easy 
again, yep. the puck placement, the that release is the best in the league. I there's no one. I mean, maybe Austin Matthews, but there's no one I can think of that has a release like that. I mean, it was no his his shot is like super NHL ready. Like, and like just, again, as a goaltender, how do you even stop that, dude? You kind of assume that Ekholm's either going to put a body on him or. Oh, yeah. In that spot going down the left-hand side as a right-handed shot, you got to assume that they're going to at least take the body. How does he, with speed, get momentum, come through the neutral zone, and get that opportunity? It just, you don't, you can't let players like that get that open. Oh, yeah. His body position on that play was just nuts. Yeah, I mean, he knows, and, and he's, man, he looks like a seasoned vet out there. Knows exactly what he's doing. Like yeah, he's, he's got like nobody and he's got like nobody to play with. No. <laughs> he's got like nobody to play with. And, and that and that will come with time. I mean, obviously yeah. they're still bottom of the league right now. And man, how fucking fun would it be to see a guy like Macklin Celebrini go there? I dude. It's if possible. You could... When considering considering like the sharks are like emerging. But thank God for the lottery, even though I could totally see them getting it because, yeah. I mean, yeah, well, that's a conversation for a different uh, day. That's a conversation but... for a different day. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, it would be fun to watch. I mean, it's it's a serious possibility that Macklin Celebrini ends up there. He's You've seen what he's been doing in college hockey as a 17-year-old, which is I think oh, I think yeah. I think it was spitting chicklets that were saying that he's like eight months younger than like his birth year. I forgot what the actual stat was or whatever, but he's he's playing super super young age, which is it it's just doesn't happen very often. And not to mention, I believe he's second in scoring in the nation. Uh, and let me check that first because I think he was either second or tied for second. Um but again to do it in hockey east it's ridiculous dude and I you know luckily I I got the opportunity to watch him and he yeah so he's second right now in scoring with 10 goals 12 assists. So, sorry 10 goals 15 assists for 25 points and he's averaging 1.67 points a game. As a freshman, that's yeah, that's in nuts. in fifteen games, which is ridiculous. Like, I mean, as much as I would, I mean, it, like Chicago doesn't necessarily deserve a new dynamic duo right away, but like Celebrini and Bedard would be insanely fun. You gotta wonder if they'd put them on the same line to start with, because, I mean, Probably. I feel like you kind of have to, right? <laughs> what what else are you gonna do? <laughs> Stink again and hope for the number what one pick the third year in a row. Fuck else are you gonna do? You don't have any talent. <laughs> like you, Anthony Bavillier's on his line. I mean, I'm I'm not shitting on Bavillier, but like it's not threading the needle. Like Chicago is literally as bad as they are. They just aren't. And it I was think, expected. But I think at that bad. point you gotta roll Bedard, Celebrini, and Big Wino Felino. I think it's the only if thing stays, that if he if he stays another year, I think it's the only thing you can do to save the franchise. <laughs> that's sad if that's what you're doing to save the franchise. They got I mean, stick they stick them with Halsey, Jared, dude. I love Halsey. Jared Jared Tenorti is their second pair defenseman. He's like a seventh or eighth on most teams. 
Like, I mean, that's how far the, that's how far away they are. You don't see him gunning for a Norris anytime soon. No. <laughs> Bring him back to Boston, dude. He can pair with Forbert. That would be a nightmare. <laughs> to not be a nightmare. No. <laughs> But, man, that, I mean, unless, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? I mean, that's. No, we'll save the juicy stuff for next episode. Yeah, we got, you know, I think coming up next episode. Um, we're I'll gonna give be... like a little tease. We're going to break down the projected Olympic rosters. We're going to debate those. Yeah, it's and it's going to be, I mean, we even started. Is that because I really, I really do think like the U.S. has a chance. You're fucking crazy. But anyways, I, you know what I you know what I am crazy, and we're <laughs> gonna debate it next episode. You know what I'm just as fucking crazy as you are, and that's what makes us work. So, <laughs> yep. But yeah, do we? So we got that. We're gonna break down the Olympic rosters. Um, I've got a top five mock draft coming out. Um, it'll that it'll be out this week, and hopefully, you know, every week I'll be able to do five picks or so, and just be able to break those down a little bit. Um based sure. on where the teams are in the standings. Um, so that'll be a fun little segment. Um, and then obviously we're just going to, you know, next week we'll have Zach back. He's at the game right now, the Bruins Devils. So hope he's having a blast. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, coming up, we have a uh, we have an interview with another U.S. National Development Program um, player, um, forward Teddy Stiga. And man, he was it, this was a cool interview. Um, he's from Mass. Um, which was so cool. I mean, we were able to kind of connect on that, you know, just both being from, from mass and, um, he's committed to BC, um, not committed. He actually signed just a few weeks back. So, um, he's fired up about that. He talks about, you know, his, um, his relationship with the, you know, Will Smith, Gabe Perot and Ryan Leonard, who were on the U S national development, um, program team last year. Um, Yeah, and it it just was an awesome interview. So um, without further ado, um, here's Teddy Stiga. Take care, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions. We are joined by Teddy Stiga, who is a centerman centerman winger. Yeah, yeah, for the U.S. National uh, Development Program. just recently signed um, officially with Boston College, so that's awesome. And yeah, man, first off, I want to congratulate you, uh, you know, for doing that. That's that's huge, and obviously they're friggin' wagon at this point. Um, you got to do it next to your buddies. To talk to us about what that process was like, and ultimately that day that you got to, you know, officially sign next to your buddies. Yeah, uh, that was a great, great experience. Um, finally putting it on paper, making it official with. Uh... James and Skahans, it was great. Yeah, dude, and, and like I said, you know, that's a, you're joining an already loaded team. Um, what made you? Was it certain people that made you commit, or you know, was it just the campus itself? What you know, what made you fall in love with BC, and uh, what players that that are already there are you most looking forward to playing with? Yeah, I think it's a con- like a little bit of both. Obviously, like. I saw all the 05s and what they're doing there right now this year. I mean, they're they're tearing it up. Um, and, yeah, it's just great coaching staff, great players, great campus, great school, kind of everything you would want. Um, yeah, I'm excited to play with, with everyone. They're all great players and great teams, so it should be fun. Yeah, so you, so you being from Sudbury, Mass., were there any other hockey schools that kind of caught your eye or, or you know, 
other schools that you went and visited that you really liked? Yeah, I, I, I knew I wanted to go to a school in Boston, so I kind of was narrowing it down to like the three major Boston schools, uh, BU, Harvard, and BC, and it was it was kind of just felt right for me and my family mm-hmm. and the combination of the the campus and program and school and everything, and yeah, it was just a great fit. And, you know, we mentioned earlier that BC already has that loaded group. You know, obviously they were all national development program players last year. Um, you know, Will Smith, Gabe Perot, Ryan Leonard. Um, have any of those guys reached out to you at all, kind of told, you know, tell you what to expect uh, at BC? Um, and what specifically are you looking forward to bring to that program um, alongside those guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked to a few of the guys, especially over the summer. I've skated with a few of them. Just they're they're excited for the year and they're obviously doing great things uh, right now, um, and yeah, I think I'm just excited. I, I I'm not sure right now who's going to be staying out of the, that core group, but I think no matter what, it'll still be a, a great team and just to help the team win as much best as I can. So yeah, and and growing up, um, was there a player that you like really idolized, and um, even now? um a player in the nhl that you really try to like emulate your game after yeah i think there's like a bunch of players that i i loved watching and tried to emulate my game after i think being a bruins fan i kind of i like marshawn and bergeron those guys kind of trying to pull from them uh i like uh hagel um on the uh on tampa bay i think he's a great player Uh, i like how he can pk and pp and kind of do it all Uh, i think he's so underrated dude yeah, like I, I don't think he gets enough. Even, even like now in Tampa, like I, I really thought so in his time in Chicago, but even more so now in Tampa that he's yeah. kind of like flying under the radar there. Like he's still fucking nasty. Yeah, he like he like put up like sneaky like thirty goals last year, and like no one, you don't hear anything about him. Yeah, exactly, dude. Um, so growing up, like who would you credit most for um, you know, getting you into the game of hockey, helping you fall in love with the game of hockey, and obviously to the point that you're at now, like who, who's kind of been there and, and helped you most throughout uh, your career so far? Yeah, I think it's kind of obvious, obvious answer. My parents, uh, we had, we lived by a rink only 10 minutes down the road. So did learn to skate there. That was where my, uh, the first team I played on was there. And then my dad, especially we'd build a rink in the backyard every year and we'd always stay out there playing one-on-ones against each other and just shooting around. So yeah, that's awesome, dude. And uh, so, like, recently we've had, you know, here on Drop the Mitts, we've had a couple of uh, other your buddies on, you know, Cole Hudson, Brody. Um, just recently we had Camille on. Um, and we've actually had a few, like, parents reach out to us um, and wanting to know, like, exactly what your, like, training regimen was, like, to get to this point. Because, you know, like, obviously I think a lot of kids – growing up think it's just going to practice right and then going to skate for an hour and then going home but to get to the point that you're at it takes so much more diet everything so a lot of we've had a few parents reach out and want to know like exactly what your training regimen was um to help you get to this point yeah uh obviously i think you got to put in the work and i mean we still have a lot of work to put in now um i think growing up obviously practiced and worked out and stuff but I think just kind of on my own obviously I, I have a shooting lane down in my basement that I I uh, use a lot and I just be down there stick handling and shooting and stuff and then like I said I had the rink in my house I'd use that uh every night basically and then 
yeah, I think it's just like loving the game also too, kind of, and just not, not it being like your parents having to tell you to go shoot and stick handle and whatever, and kind of just liking what you're doing, I guess I would say. And then even from when I was a youth player to now, like here at the NTDP, like your, our program changed drastically. Like we work out for two hours a day. I never have worked out this hard in my life and we eat way, way better and way more food. So I think every step of the way you're going to have to tweak what you're doing, but yeah, just, just love what you're doing. I would say. Yeah. That, that's awesome advice, man. Cause like you said, you know, it's not just going to the practice for an hour. Like there's so many more, you know, things that go into it. Right. And, and another thing is, you know, obviously you're a 17 year old kid and right. And you're draft eligible this year. And a lot of people forget that you guys are still just kids, you know, like 17 years old away from home, obviously at this point, like talk to us about what a day like in your life is at this point as a 17 year old kid kind of living on his own, um, being away from, you know, Massachusetts, obviously. And, um, Talk to us about what like a day in the life in uh for Teddy Stiga is. Yeah, uh first off, like my my billet situation. I live with three guys on the team, Charlie Pardue, uh his his family moved out here and three of us live here, Nick Kempf and LaPointe. Uh it's great being with them every day. We're we're always doing something, so it's fun. So uh we usually wake up uh around seven, get breakfast. Miss Pardue makes some great breakfast, so we get some some good food in us and then we go to the rink and we have school usually for two hours uh and then we then we're on the ice for two hours and then we're in the gym for two hours and then after that you kind of you can stretch shoot pucks uh do whatever you need to do to get ready for the next day and then we go home uh play cards xbox and watch a movie something like that kind of just relax do homework whatever it is um and yeah yeah dude honestly like i think a lot of our listeners too like especially they didn't they didn't realize how much actually goes into it like you guys aren't just playing hockey like there's so much more that goes into it you guys are lifting weights every day you know you guys are playing games practicing like um that was one of that's one of the newer questions we had someone wanted us to ask but um kind of going back to your earlier days playing um you played prep at Belmont Hill um you know, you had a great season the one year you were there. You were almost a point-per-game player, um, seven goals, 14 assists. Um, what did that one year of prep kind of do to help you get, you know, get to that next level? Because um, obviously the competition in that, you know, was phenomenal with, you know, you had Nobles in that division, yeah. um, St. Sebs, uh, Thayer, you know, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that one year of prep do for your development? Yeah, that was huge. I think that was the first year I'd really, like, or that year I played U16, so that was kind of my first year playing up a birth year, I guess I would say. Um, and then prep, obviously, it's you're playing a few guys a few years older than you for the first time, so it was, it was good to get kind of used to playing against older guys, faster pace, bigger bodies. And I think, yeah, prep hockey that year was loaded. There there was, I think, like four or five guys drafted out of prep that year. It was, it was pretty crazy. Um and I, our team went for a pretty good run, and it was a great experience. Yeah, dude, I, I remember, like, especially that was one of the first, you know, first years that I was actually home, moved back from Mass. And I remember just going to those games because uh, one of my buddies works at Fair Academy. And mm-hmm. so we would, I would just, any chance I got to go watch, you know, these, because it was fucking loaded. Like, and you mentioned it, that like five kids got drafted. And how hard it is to get drafted, especially straight out of prep, it's, it's unheard of. Yeah, definitely. And, 
Yeah, and in obviously you've had a phenomenal year at Belmont. So, um, so it to kind of fast forward a little bit, to, uh, 2022-2023, you won the U17 uh, World Hockey Championship. You won gold. Um, what was that tournament like? Because obviously you're playing different countries, you know, the best of the best. Um, what were some of your, your favorite and best memories of that tournament? And then ultimately you're, you know, winning gold. Yeah, that was that was our first international tournament of the year last year and first time kind of leaving the country with our team and it it was a great experience. It 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 was really long. We didn't we didn't know we would be there for so long. We were there for like two weeks or something in the same uh hotel room. So it kinda got dog days. It felt like we were there forever. But it, it was a great tournament. Uh our team was unreal. I th- like I think James and Cole both broke records that tournament and we were just we were just rolling and I think some of the best memories are just being with the guys at the hotel and in the locker room and stuff and on the off days and just, it was the start of the year. So we're still getting to know each other a little bit and just kind of creating relationships and friendships and whatnot. And uh, yeah, it was, it was an awesome tournament. So like not, not this specific tournament, but like on off days, are you guys all hanging out like as a group or is it just like the people you're living with? Yeah, we, we do like everything as like a, as a group, we, breakfast we all kind of go to go to a spot and just hang out always and then well a bunch of guys will go to like buffalo wild wings for lunch watch football on an off day and stuff like that um yeah we're always together go to the rink do 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 what you need to yeah and, and like being i've been you know graced with the opportunity to speak with a, most a lot of you guys and it just seems like you guys are such a close group would you say that that plays like a huge role in like your team's success yeah, I would say what I think playing with with guys you're you don't like or you kind of you kind of are I don't know thinking badly of them on the ice it's it's hard to play with them and I think we all love each other and, and know know that we're all great and it's it, it makes it so much easier to play with everyone. Yeah, and you know this year you got the opportunity to go play um, at BU, which you know you had the 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 crowd there you know that that college feel. What was that like playing in that um, at Aganis and just in that environment? Like, were you getting chirped pretty bad? Like, how was it? Yeah, that was, that was a sick game. Uh, that was it was pretty packed. And then coming back to Boston, I had a lot of friends and family at the game. Uh, no, I was I wasn't getting chirped too hard. There wasn't really much chirping that game because we were winning. I think it would have been a little different if we were losing that game. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game. Sick atmosphere, and uh, should be fun playing there soon. So. Was that, would you say, like, out of all the rinks that you've played at th- this year and even just in your life, you know, playing, was that your favorite kind of barn that you've played in so far? Yeah, that was that was definitely one of my top three. It was especially just, like, the atmosphere, like, the student section and stuff. It was sick. So, you know, and your stats this year, dude, speak for, you know, you're, you're, putting, in the, you're putting the puck in the net like, you know, like no other, but um what would you say is the biggest contributing factor um to your personal success this year um especially just the the amount of goals that you've put up so far what would you say is the biggest uh contributing factor to your success yeah I think it's a little bit of kind of everything I think the end of last year I got hurt and I was able to work out every day and kind of put on I put on like 15 pounds of muscle I was was always undersized a little bit and being able to kind of get more physically mature, I guess, definitely helped a lot. And over the summer, I was, I shot for like an hour every day, more than, more than I've ever done. Like 
I never really had a strict plan, but I, I did this summer, kind of like we were talking about earlier. I, I, yeah. I tightened that up, and I think I've been seeing a lot of improvements. And then also just playing a little more confidently this year, I'd say, has been has been big. So, like, with, with all your success, obviously there's, you know, there's areas that you personally, I would assume, want to work on, um, especially as, you know, this year kind of finishes out and you get closer to the draft and combine and everything. What are some areas of your game that you are, like, really kind of focusing on, uh, you know, tightening up? Yeah, I think I think kind of you want to obviously get better at everything. There's always room for improvement. Uh, I think – Right now, I kind of am working in the gym more on kind of my like explosivity and getting my like three first strides a lot like harder, more powerful. I think I'm a good skater, but if I could get a lot more explosive, it could it could really help me. So that's kind of what I've been working on. Yeah, you know, and I I'd love to ask this question. Um, you know, as you we've mentioned a couple times, draft eligible this year. Um, it's going to be one of the last drafts, probably. You know, it's going to be in Vegas. Um. What what type of person would you say on and off the ice? Um, a team that takes a you know takes a chance on you and drafts you. Um, what type of person on and off the ice would you say they're getting in uh, Teddy Stiga? Yeah, I think they they're getting a a good person who who's a good person first and then a a good player second. Uh, I think I, I love to compete, love to battle, and I'll do what it takes to win. So yeah. I, I got to ask this question, man. Obviously, I know like it's a, it would be a dream come true for you to get drafted wherever, though. But I got to ask: is there is there a part of you that really, really hopes that you end up uh, back in Beantown? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, it'd be an honor to go anywhere. But yeah, definitely, Bruins are my favorite team. Grow up watching them, so that that would be pretty special. Yeah, they're insane this year too, which is kind of yeah. surprising with uh, Bergie and Krejci leaving. But yeah. Um, well, hey, man, that's that's those are all the questions I've got for you. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to, uh, you know, come chat with us. Um, I wish you the best of luck the rest of the year. And obviously, come draft time, man, any team is going to be lucky to, you know, get you on their team and uh, wish you the best, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. Take care. Thank you.